the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. Division is a normal part of society. And in many cases, it's actually a good thing. Different divisions of a company, for example, allow for a larger client base and greater productivity. Spinoffs of organizations and corporations grow our economy, and the competition drives technology and advancements in that field. Division in politics provides a system of checks and balances. But one place that you don't want to see division, one place that division especially hurts, is family. And that's exactly what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. We are dealing with division in the church, and that is family. If we could just stop division within the local church, we could avoid a lot of pain, we could avoid a whole lot of sin, And we would grow individually and corporately in our reverence and worship for God. So how do we do that? How do we stop, put an end to church splits? How do we stop wrangling and fighting accusations within the church? How do we end division in the local church? Well, this morning we start the second part of a two-part series entitled Dealing with Division. And we find that in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 18 through 23. And if you're with us for the first time, either live or on the live stream, you need to understand that here at Grace Church of the Bay Area, we practice what is called expository preaching. In other words, we literally study the Bible verse by verse and often word by word. And the principle behind that is very simple. And that is, if God has said it, we better get it right. And the best way to get it right is to make sure we understand every single word, not in the English language of 2020, but in the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic of thousands of years ago. Because it is important that we don't interpret the Bible according to our standards or what we feel or what we want, but according to what God has said. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 23 is a passage we started last week. Follow along as I read that. The Apostle Paul writes, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. 
all things belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Our outline has been six principles to remember. Six principles to remember to combat self-glory and division in the church. And you'll remember it is pride, it is selfishness, it is self-glory that causes division in the church, division in the family, division in any relationship. You think you're better than him or she thinks they're better than you. They don't do things the way you want. You don't do things the way they want. And so six principles to remember, not just to combat division in the church, but self-glory and division in the church. By way of review, last week we saw the first three. I'll recap those for you. The first point, the first principle to remember to deal with pride and division was the asinine success. He begins in verse 18, let no one or let no man deceive himself. The grammar we see in the ancient Greek is that he is saying that there are those who have already successfully deceived themselves. There are those in the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago who have already thought, consider themselves objectively in their minds better than other people. And this deception stems from the belief in their own wisdom. They find themselves smarter, wiser than other people. And you know how it is. When someone thinks they are the smartest, then they think they should call the shots. And everyone should do as they say. That is to say, they have become so self-confident that they consider themselves to be smarter, more competent than the other people, no, the other believers in their own family, the church. And whether this thinking was from the influence of the secular world or specific false teachers that had infiltrated the church, we saw that the ultimate responsibility lies on themselves because they have chosen the sin of pride. It is their own sin. And what that tells us is that they are only wise in their own eyes. And their wisdom that they have is worldly wisdom, which we have seen throughout 1 Corinthians is not wisdom at all. It is foolishness. It is opposed to the humility-based wisdom of God. And we were reminded that we too could be self-deceived. And here's the thing. Self-deception in the area of pride makes you sit here this morning and say, I am not proud. And we must gauge ourselves, examine ourselves to make sure we are not self-deceived. Because of this, Paul suggests our second point, which is the antithetical strategy. The second principle to remember to combat self-glory and division in the church is the antithetical strategy. He goes on in verse 18 to say, If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. And that seems like a confusing statement, but what he's comparing again is the wisdom of man or the world, which is foolishness to God, Versus the wisdom of God, which stems from the gospel, which is foolishness to the world. It's a contrast that we have seen throughout the epistle. And here, a practical application of the theme that, again, God's wisdom is foolishness to the world and the world's is foolishness to God. And this is why Paul can state that in order to be truly wise, you must become foolish, foolish in the world's eyes. And if you remember, this stems from so much, from the fact that this 
what was considered a cult at that time. These people were following someone who died as a criminal, who was to be shamed in the eyes of the Roman Empire because he was crucified. Everything. You don't achieve success in the Roman Empire through dying. You just achieve success by killing, by conquering, by going on the throne. And yet here was Jesus Christ and his followers following a supposedly dead person. And so starting from there and all that we have seen, all that we do in the Christian life, even today you understand is antithetical to society, to the world, to how the world lives. The world says, love those who love you back. We say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Everything that we do as Christians goes against the norms of society, secular culture. So to be specific, To be truly wise by God's standards, you must become foolish by the world's standards. Paul then goes on to support all of this with the greatest authority, God himself. Namely, he quotes two Old Testament passages, and we saw this in our third principle, the authoritative support. In verses 19 and 20, we see these two verses. He starts by summarizing again, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, and then he quotes, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows their reasonings or the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. The first quote is from Job 5.13, and it speaks of those who may be crafty and cunning in the things of the world. And in that specific context, they use their craftiness The rich but unrighteous, they use their craftiness to build themselves up by oppressing and hurting the poor. But in the end, the great protector, God himself, uses those men's own traps to ensnare them and to foil their plans. You see, it takes a smart man to to devise a scheme, but it takes a wiser man to use that very scheme to trap that first man. And when that happens, it becomes very clear whose wisdom is superior and who, in fact, is the fool. The second quote is from Psalm 9411, and it reminds us of the omniscience of God, the all-knowing capability and character of God, the ability and characteristic of God whereby he sees and knows all things, even what is in our hearts. And in this all-knowing perception, God sees the thoughts of the wise, the worldly wise, for what they are. Useless, futile, empty. Yes, according to the world, they may have made our lives better. They may have invented the computer, the internet, the smartphone. But in the end, on a spiritual level, all their technical and worldly wisdom, all their wealth that even those in the church are tempted to be envious of, it is useless. And you understand that when we say foolish and useless in the eyes of God, it is not just, oh, that poor soul, he's not as smart as he thinks, but it results in eternal condemnation. It is a foolishness that is far beyond any use of the word fool that we can think of In our society, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Well, this morning, I want to give you a fourth principle to remember 
to combat self-glory and division in the church, and that is the adverse standard. The adverse standard. Because of all of this, he goes on in the beginning of verse 21 to say, So then, let no one boast in men. With the so then, or the therefore, if you have the King James, an inference is drawn from what has just been said. In other words, he's saying, since we know what we know about the futility of man's wisdom, therefore, because of that, let no one boast in men. That makes sense. If you're saying this is a crowd of fools, and because you now know that, don't boast in them, don't follow them, don't glory in them. And that's what that word boast means in the Greek, to glory in something or someone. And this idea harkens back to chapter 1, which we saw, if you would turn there with me. Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, verses 26 through 29. Remember, he says this about the world and about those who God has called. Verses 26 through 29 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1. He says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, and here it is, verse 29, so that no man may boast before God. Then even further back in verses 10 through 12 in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, He writes, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Did you catch that way back in the beginning when he even brings up this issue? Remember, he says, I heard it from Chloe's workers. He even says back then, let there be no division among you. But back to 321. To boast or to glory in men is to boast in them, to boast in their qualities, to boast in their teachings, to boast in their wisdom. And you see this a lot in in your secular field of study, right? Well, Aristotle said this. Uh, Well, I am a a, a scholar of whoever, right? And there are certain people whose names that we fall under because of our field of study. In secular Greek traditions, it could have the sense of negative boasting, as Paul uses it here. Negative, like self-glory, bragging, even uh, illusory or, or imaginative boasting, right? Boasting in something that you think is real but is not even true. But it could also have, in the ancient Greek tradition, a positive sense. The heroes of those famous ancient Greek writings and their epic poems, such as those of Homer, would be said to boast in their battle skills or their weapons, taking pride in them. And understand that though Paul uses it in a negative way here in speaking of boasting in men, for the Christian, it is not wrong to boast. In fact, we are told to boast. 
just not in men. Would you understand includes yourself? We are to boast in God and what God has done, even if it is through men. We can thank men. We can appreciate men. But we boast in God. Psalm 20 and verse 7, some boast in chariots and some in horses. Understand, this is a man in war, right? This isn't just what you picture of a chariot and museum. These are hundreds of chariots, the, the thunder of the horses kicking up so much dust that you can't even see them. It would have been reverberating in your ears. You would not be able to hear your commander yelling his orders just next to you because of the hoofbeats. This is a majestic scene. And he says, naturally, these enemies, some boast in chariots, some in horses, but we, we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, which Paul quoted back in 1 Corinthians 1.31 and will do again in 2 Corinthians 10.17. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not even a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this. In other words, if you're going to boast at all, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, says the Lord, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Galatians 6.14, may it never be, Paul writes, that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Not only is it okay to boast in the Lord, the logical conclusion then is that if you are to boast in the Lord, then you are to only boast in the Lord. Logical conclusion based on his character and what you know he is doing and his sovereignty. When you do boast in men, including yourself, then you are falling into the self-deception spoken of in verse 18. Because to boast in yourself or someone else is to boast in something they have, which in reality God is saying they don't have. It is foolishness. And if indeed they do have anything... It came from God. So boast in God. This exhortation is the opposite, the adverse, the contrary to what the world says. Back then, 2,000 years ago in the Roman Empire and today anywhere in the world. It is contrary to what he says when he says, don't boast in men. Any success, any self-confidence must be based on boasting in yourself or another according to the world because that gets you what you want in life. But, as with the whole concept of wisdom, the standard for Christians is contrary to the world. And we know that the specific issue Paul is addressing is the Corinthians' particular boasting in the church leaders. I mean, you would even think, if anything, this would be good, right? To boast in Paul, to boast in Peter, to boast in Apollos. We don't really do this in the church, but some do. Some claim a saint, some pray to a saint, whatever it may be. And Paul is saying, you don't do that. Understand, by way of practical application for us, 
that this does not necessarily mean boasting in a particular individual, even though that was the context for the Corinthians. It can also refer to boasting in that which is of men or provided by men. You can boast in your job. That's not a person. You can boast in your company. You can boast in your car. You can boast in your sense of fashion. That's boasting yourself, I suppose. There are all these things. You can boast in July 4th and that you are an American. As Christians, we boast in the freedoms God has granted us in this country by His grace. God has granted us the freedom, and it is by that very freedom that we can protest, we can uproar, we can actually post something about our president that is not completely positive on Facebook. I have lived in countries, I have lived in countries where they would kill you for that. And then they would find all of your extended relatives and put them in a labor camp for the rest of their lives, and they have no idea why. I'm not talking a a prison in, in America. That is cushy. I have friends in law enforcement that used to joke, three hots and a cot. They joke that our prison system is, is silly. We give them three hot meals and a soft bed. I lived in a country where people lived on a dirt bed that they had to make themselves, and they only had shelter because they were able to find rocks and dirt to build a roof by themselves. I led a Bible study of a man who, when he was in his 20s, when democracy came to that country, came to America. He was born and raised in a labor camp and at 21 years of age did not know how to turn on a faucet or flip a light switch because he had never seen one. You understand that God is gracious in this country. Nowhere in the Bible is freedom of religion guaranteed. In fact, most of the people you're going to read in the Bible were killed because of their religion. You understand, our Lord included. All that to say is that whatever we boast in, we must connect it to the Lord. You can boast in your job as given by the Lord. You can boast in your company as provided by the Lord. You can boast in your car as a gracious, undeserved provision by the Lord. We live in an interesting time, and we can complain And we can say this is silly. We can quote statistics. By the way, I get it. I get that statistically the coronavirus is killing a very small fraction compared to people would say the normal flu and other things like that. I get that. But as Christians, can I be, can I warn you? Even though that may be true, I may prove your point. Let's not diminish the death of human lives to a statistic to prove a political point, please. Please. I'm no scientist, but I can almost guarantee because by the end of this, one of those statistics will be someone from our church. Even without that, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. But what I was getting at is we are in a pandemic. And I know you're bothered by the pandemic. You know why? I've said this before. (laughs) Because the Lord has given you shelter and electricity 
and an expensive computer or iPad or iPhone so that you can complain about the pandemic. Do you see what I'm saying here? We have it good, my friends. We have it good. I'm not diminishing the difficulties that we have, but we need to be thankful. And that's the whole thing. When you boast in the Lord, then your perspective changes. You stop being critical. You stop being discontent. You stop pointing out all the things you could have that are wrong. And although the Corinthians are naming specific men, Peter, Paul, Apollos, they are ultimately boasting in themselves. This is a way just covered in a thin spiritual veneer of bragging, of making themselves sound like they're better than other people. But whatever, whatever form it takes, whatever or whomever the object may be, we must not boast in anyone or anything besides the Lord. That word boast, as Paul uses it, when he says don't boast in men, to kind of summarize what I've just said, he means don't boast in any individual outside of the characteristics, the attributes, the work of Christ in that person's life. Now understand what I'm saying here. It's not that you can't compliment someone on a job well done in their secular work or say, I like your haircut because that's not a direct act of service. It is an overarching understanding of God's grace and God's sovereignty and God's goodness. So we must not boast in anything or anyone besides the Lord. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Tune in next week for a continuation of this message. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Rogers' teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through the website gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.